podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. A Scottish football podcast that isn't obsessed with just two teams. Niche nonsense. Or surprisingly brilliant. You decide. The Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. The cult Scottish football podcast now adapted into a hit TV show. Search the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast on your chosen podcast player now. Hello and welcome to the Whistleblowers. It's been an eventful weekend, uh, probably something that we can say after every COVID weekend and round of matches. Uh, Mr. Mark Smith joining us again. Mark, great to have you back. Oh, great to be back, Grits. Garros. It's rare to have a pro, rare to have a pro like you on the show. Hey, come on! You made Real me what pro. I am. Both of you, my boys. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, just just about to say, bringing in uh, G Dob, Gareth Dobson. Uh, good to have you on, mate. How are you? Good, good. Uh, still licking my wounds. Still a bit shell shocked. Uh, yeah, I, I should, I should cocoa. Um, yeah, it was it was quite a. It was quite an eventful one. We'll come on to that in a minute. Um, Mark, what have you been up to? Been doing any uh, any bits and bobs, keeping an eye on Derby? What's what, what's been going down? Oh, well, I'm, I think we'll get into Derby in a little bit. But um, I've been yeah, I've been pretty busy actually doing more football three six five shows. We're now doing two shows a week. We do uh, topical top tens on a Tuesday, and we do big weekend on a Thursday. You can get that at uh, football three six five dot com. Uh, I host it. It's quite fun. Uh, check it out if you uh, if you don't hate the way I sound. Uh, you also might not hate the way that I sound and look at the same time. Who's a topical top ten today? I mean, that was tough to say. <laughs> yeah, it is. Isn't that good? Every week, uh, it was uh, the top ten. What was it? It was the top ten most pointless transfers this summer. Oh, that's quite. That sounds quite tasty, uh, Gareth. Yeah, Gareth, yeah. we're going to have to start theming stuff, aren't we, Gareth? And, and I, I absolutely mean, love a top ten. A list planning, an, or, an audio listicle. Uh, that's oh it. yes, very much. Well, uh, let's get back to the footy because plenty happened. Um, let's start with the Merseyside derby. That seems like a pretty fair place to start. That was that was lively, wasn't it? Well, I mean, should uh, should Pickford be in jail? Well, apparently, I think at least in the stocks, maybe, you know, I think, you know, 25 lashes, maybe something like that. He sort of plays like his hands are in the stocks already, don't they? They're all sort of like (laughs) up there in weird angles. Nothing seems natural with him. Um, Uh, Yeah, I mean, I don't know what to say about that game, really. I don't know what to say about the entire weekend of football, but but that game in particular seemed like, uh, it, it seemed both like a, a traditional derby in terms of it was very intense and lots happening, and also completely odd and futuristic with there being no fans and VAR coming in to save the day for Everton at the end there. Yeah. And that, with that, did, did it feel like that to you? I mean, were Liverpool the better team, would you say, Mark? Because I'd say Everton gave as good as they got for parts of it, but there was some, you know, the, it, it, it's always a, a difficult challenge for them, but it's the first time they've looked like they might give Liverpool a proper game in quite some time. Yeah. It, I think in, in previous years, we've, we've had good Everton sides, haven't we? I mean, the one that springs yep. to mind is always the one with, you know, Jelovic and PNR and Cahill and those sorts of players. Yeah. Um, and they've always, you know, they've always, it's rare that they don't turn up for a derby game. It's just normally they get out of class. Whereas on Saturday morning, it, it felt like um, they now have certain individuals in that side who probably could get into the, the Liverpool side. And just some real quality on the ball. I mean, obviously, James always looks like he could pick a pass, always looks dangerous. And, uh, 
you know, Calvert Lewin, they've got a serious number nine who could who could be at the top for a long time now. Who um, owes Gareth? Who owes Gareth everything? I think Gareth Tarrington will be a hallmark yes. of this season's whistleblowers, which was and um, rightly so. Yeah, I mean, it caught us off guard uh, at the time, but now looking back, it was quite prophetic. Genius. Yeah, it, I mean, really, I think Calvert Lewin should really be getting a, a Gareth Dobson tattoo on his. <laughs> on his lower leg, like the Connor Cody guy, but I thought it was a, I thought it was a really interesting, exciting, and sort of mental game. Um, I do think Liverpool were probably the better side, but as I say, Everton looked dangerous whenever they went forward, and I thought probably two all wasn't wasn't unfair. Or is that is that me being over the top there, Gareth? Did Liverpool deserve to just pace them there? I, I I did think that it was possibly the best that Liverpool have played this season. Um, they looked like they'd kind of got some of their them and Vigor back. And like going back to what you were saying about previous uh, Merseyside derbies, it always struck me that for the last few years, Liverpool have almost kind of played down to Everton. Um, mm. They haven't really, you know, looked that, that good. There's been a few like late winners and, and, and scrambles. So yeah, it, it was nice to have a game where Liverpool, you know, both look good, but Everton also, um, I don't know if matched them is quite, Everton did really well to hang in. And then basically, yeah, yeah. you know, strike when, you know, when they had a couple of opportunities. To have uh, a threat, to have a goal-scoring threat is the big thing, isn't it? Yes. If it was like Liverpool, uh, sorry, Everton have really changed that. I mean, we 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 joked about it at the very beginning, but that losing Van Dijk is monumental. I mean, it's massive. It's it's it, you know, it's it's bigger than when City lost Laporte, and that definitely cost them the season. So, I mean, yeah, yeah. implications on that, Mark. I mean, how do you see it? Because Liverpool didn't strengthen, didn't replace Lovren, and now have to do exactly what City did with Fernandinho, but with is it Fabinho? Well, it could be Matis. Fabinho, could be uh, Matip, maybe coming yeah. in. Um, I mean, they've, they've got they've got players who can slot in, but obviously they are they're professional footballers and they're good quality defenders, but they're not, they're not Virgil van Dijk. I mean, we're talking about one of the best center backs of the last 25, 30 years. He's in the conversation, isn't he? I mean, whether you're yeah. rating that at number one or not, he's certainly in the conversation. So of course it's going to be hard to replace. Um, but this is, this is, you know, this is where we see what champions are made of really. Uh, you, you've seen over the years, big teams lose key players for a, a large stretch of the season. And, and you got to see what you can, what you can dig out as a squad. So, this is yep. where they'll start earning their corn, I think, that Liverpool side. It might be a case of, you know, Fabinho drops in or maybe it's that they just play two more defensive midfielders to give them that that shield in front of them. Um, I don't know, but, I mean, this is it's going to make the season more interesting because I think Liverpool, certainly in my book, we're going to run away with it again this year. Yep. So maybe that won't happen quite as easily. I mean, do, uh, we probably have to talk about the tackle, don't we? I mean, it's, it's, it's Monday night now. Yeah. Everyone under the sun has talked about that. I mean, Grits, you're an ex-pro. What do you, what do you uh, make of it? If you were on the end of that, what would you be thinking? Well, it's one of those ones. It's one of those reckless ones after the action. The referee should have pulled it up. He should have picked it up. He should certainly have addressed it. The problem is, if you, you sometimes get away with those ones where you you can give him a booking or you can give him a talking to it and say, what the hell are you doing? Calm down. But because yeah. this Van Dyke injury is so profoundly bad I mean there's nothing there's the worst injury you can get in football apart from breaking your tib and fib your, your cruciate ligament because yeah. coming back from that 
is incredibly difficult for you know for for most players. Yeah, but, but we didn't. Big... But we didn't know that. We didn't know that at the time. No, no, no. no Do you no, not what, think they could have used VAR and 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 actually said? Yeah, like that's well, a whole let, different conversation. Yeah, it's a whole different conversation, and other people are having it all yeah. left, right, and center, and it's frankly quite boring. I think Pickford's got some issues as a footballer. <laughs> um, I think yes. Pickford has some really erratic play. Gareth, I was I I wanted to bring you back because talking about. I mean, Van Dijk and losing Allison. Liverpool have got a unique challenge now. Now, I if I if I back any manager to be able to solve that problem, it would be Klopp. But with the window shutting, it's kind of limited his options. Yeah, I, I think you know. Apparently, Allison's return is slightly closer than they initially feared, and he might only be a few more weeks. So the the next international break, incredibly, is only three weeks away so i'm guessing christ that, i know i know he'll, he'll he'll be back probably around then so if they can if they can hang on they might be okay but you know i, I do think the window closing may have long term actually worked in their favor because i'm not sure who they could have gone and panic bought yeah 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 good show and, you know they obviously you know i assume that when a a manager goes into season, they they have to account and say, okay, if we're short at any positions, do we have enough cover? And he would have come to the conclusion that yes, they did. So hopefully, you know, he's going to have to back his his judgment uh, with wrong. We've got. I mean, moving Lovren on uh, in the in 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 the summer break was you know it seemed very straightforward at the time. You know, he he was never really pulling up trees at Liverpool, but yeah, it, they do look a little shorthanded. But that 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 was that. No one thought that was a bad move when it happened, though, did they? And, no. and you can never see these things happening. I think actually, weirdly, of all the seasons to lose your best centre back, this might be the best one because it feels like everyone's going to be just trying to outscore each other anyway, and not putting so much emphasis on on centre backs. He he looked get for the first time I've ever seen Virgil Van Dijk look get attable in a couple mm, of games. Absolutely. Just because when you make those mistakes, you can obviously recover from it. I remember when Ferdinand was just going through that weird spell where he couldn't do anything right. And and as a defender, you're just judged on your mis- mistakes. So anyway, we'll, we'll dwell on that. Talking about mistakes and defensive uh, frailty, uh, Chelsea Southampton, the other pick of the Saturday's games, I would say. I mean, obviously we come on to United for a bit, but I, I'm fascinated by this Chelsea side. Gareth, you're you're a man that's, that's that's kept an eye on quite a few of those European players that have come in for them. Would you would you make of that situation? Are we are we kind of being hard on Chelsea, or should we give Southampton a bit more credit? It's it's hard to say. I mean. I don't want to say Southampton, you know, look dead and buried because obviously, as we're about to discuss, Chelsea always seemed to leave the, the door open. But, you know, I thought Chelsea, you know, played well and were fairly comfortable, except they, you know, they just can't keep out of their own way. I think, uh, you know, other Chelsea teams or, you know, Chelsea teams of defences would have, you know, probably romped that or not romped that. So you've closed it out fairly comfortably. Um and then you know it's you know all this work is constantly being undone by by the frailties, and we're talking about addressing or not addressing your needs ahead of the transfer window. Um, I don't know how much say Lampard actually has in their in their you know their squad movements. Yep. You know players do seem to be presented to the Chelsea manager sometimes, but you do have to wonder what the assessment was that you know Thiago was going to be the you know the singular piece brought into the middle of the defence to solve it. Obviously, he did bring in, uh, you know, Chilwell as well, the left-back, but that's, you know, he's an attacking player ostensibly, not yeah, yeah. not a key defender. So, yeah, I mean, strange, you know, 
we should probably do the thing where we don't just blow past Southampton. You know, Danny Ings is is now a regular goal scorer. You, you can't uh, talk about last season now in terms of of it being a one off or a fluke. He, he's continued that form, and you know that's very yeah. exciting as well. Yeah, and no, I, totally oh, I agree think also, Mark. I mean. Che, che Adams as well for Southampton should get a mention. He's yeah. been he struggled for so long last season to get his first goal, and since he got that first goal, he's been absolutely fantastic. His final ball is great. He's 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 creating goals. He's you know he's breaking open defenses and, and just creating openings, and he can finish as well. I'm, I'm really pleased for him because he was great at Birmingham. Yes, um, and it's it is hard to make that step up, and it takes players a little bit longer than others sometimes. And yeah, I'm, I'm pleased to see him doing well on Chelsea. I mean, I think I said this last time on the podcast, and this isn't just saying this after the event, but Chelsea needed to 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 not worry too much about bringing in the likes of Havertz and Ziyech. Because they've got people like Mount and Pulisic who can already do that job. And last season, it wasn't an issue for them scoring goals. What they yeah. needed to do was stop trying to bring in sexy players and just yeah. strengthen and spend most of your budget on two big, ugly, solid centre-backs. Yeah. And you know what? It would have it would have sorted out that entire team. It would, You know what it's like. I think Goalkeepers and centre-backs are the ones that instill confidence in the team. Yeah. And if you have that triumvirate sorted, as well as Chilwell as well, he's definitely an upgrade on the left. On the left. But that would have sorted out the entire team and the likes of Mount and, uh, I mean, pick any number of players that they have going forward. Barkley would still be there, for example. They, they, I just felt like they focused on the wrong positions. Maybe this is a long-term thing and they're thinking Lampard will be there for five seasons. There's a chance that might happen because he is Chelsea through and through and I'm, you, know, you know what Abramovich is like. They seem to get on really well. But this is Premier League football and, and most managers don't get five years of grace. So they might not be there next summer to to continue the build and bring in the centre backs then. So get yep. them in first, get your defence sorted out, and then see where it takes you. Well, this is where uh, Liverpool did. They, you know, just focused on getting in Van Dijk because, to be honest, they made do. They they actually gave Gomez and uh, Trent Alexander Arnold players that perhaps would have struggled to you know been been bit part players because you look at you know you have to give those sort of players a run in the team and get blood them. Chilwell obviously comes in, but Alonso had a great finish to last season and he's handy yeah. enough. And then you've got on the right-hand side, Azpilicueta can't get in the team. Who's the best player? Who's their skipper? It's, it, it's totally imbalanced on, on you're totally right about bringing in the right personnel. Just again, it's the same same situation a lot of clubs are finding. They can't find the right personnel. Um, to, but but, to like, but like Gareth says, like Gareth says, we have no idea what the what the inner workings are of, of Chelsea's yeah. transfer policy. We don't know who's calling the shots. I mean, it, they feel like very Lampard signings, but I don't know that for sure. You know, yeah. he might have been asking all summer for two proper centre backs. I don't think he was, but he might have been. Yeah, yeah. All right, fair enough. Let's let's move on. Uh, last game on Saturday, which was uh, Man United away at Newcastle. This was um, uh, a big game for quite a few of the Man United players that were proving some doubters wrong and and kind of fending off the wolf was definitely the door for some of them. But uh, uh, Mark, what did you make of that game? And obviously, we can't ignore Rashford. He's just got an MBE as well. I mean, the guy's untouchable. He's the best man in England, isn't he? Isn't he? <laughs> I mean, I he's such an impressive guy. Can you yeah. imagine? Can you imagine? Ignore the football part of it. Can you imagine accomplishing anything like what he's done at 22? Which and then I you say? think, oh, hang on, he's. <laughs> but then you think, hang on, he's also he's also really good at this <laughs> this uh, this other thing, which is his main job. Oh man, it's just it's it's not really fair, is it? Um, United. I, I thought when I saw that team sheet. An hour before kickoff, I thought that is the most underwhelming United side he could have possibly picked, <laughs> and it, it looked like he was just 
that Ollie was just absolutely terrified of, of getting another thumping like he did at Spurs. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, it sort of worked quite well. It was it was the most fluid they've been all season. They had uh, two holding midfielders in there against Newcastle, which, I mean, shows you how scared they really were. But two holders in there who really sort of stifled Newcastle's midfield. And after sort of minute two or three, whenever it was, when they conceded, I thought United were, were very good. And they sort of broke them down. And, I mean, to be fair to Newcastle... Uh, at 86, 85, 86 minutes, they're still one all, so they're still in the game. But yeah, yeah, I think crazy. very harsh yeah. on United had they not won that game. And the goals they scored as well, by the way. I mean, one was a, from a corner, fine, but the other three were uh, really top draw goals. And it, and it it felt for long periods much more like the United we saw uh, right after lockdown, where they had really good, uh, really good counter-attacking football, but also a much more controlled version of United, and one that I would expect to see more of going forward, assuming that they can sort out the defensive problems. Gareth uh, Wambasaka better than Alexander Arnold? Would you have him? Would you have him in your England team? I'm, I'm a huge fan. I know you're a, a Crystal Palace resident, almost. So uh, I suppose there's some sort of uh, South London loyalty. But I'm a, I'm a huge fan of his. Um, uh, what did you make of his performance? It's 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 quite strange because he uh, obviously was a converted um, midfielder uh, who was you know moved, moved to fullback. So the assumption would be that you know the defensive side of his game would be what was uh, you know needed the most work. And it's kind of almost the other way around. He's been incredibly solid defensively, and it's it's attacking wise, which he's he's been a bit slow going. So. I guess, you know, first with the fact that he rumps forward and scores that late goal with that fantastic finish is, is probably very uh, uh, very exciting for, for Manchester United fans. But I think kind of shows that he, he probably could turn into, you know, the complete package a la Alexander-Arnold, but potentially an even better defender. Um, I mean... Yeah, that's the issue, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. As, as Mark was saying, um, the goals were brilliant. I, I thought, especially the the second goal, the the one that that sent them ahead, the, the finish by Bruno Fernandes was was absolutely yeah, yeah, breathtaking. Yeah. And there was also yeah. the the goal that was uh, ruled out for, ruled out. for yeah. offside, which was would have been another beautiful, another beautiful one. I, I think we have to talk about Bruno some more because I felt like he he was obviously the toast of the Premier League after lockdown, and actually since January, everyone's been raving about him. But there's been the inevitable backlash, hasn't there, at the start of this season? But he he is someone who seems to be he may be the only one of maybe two or three players in that squad who is absolutely over the moon to be playing for that club. Mm. And he realizes how big the club is. And he's probably of an age where he realizes actually he's twenty seven, he's coming into his prime, he wants to be able to be somewhere where he can he can compete and win things. And so then maybe that's what's driving this. But he seems like a real uh, a leader, a real character, someone who will not suffer fools gladly and will not allow his teammates to drop off one or two percent. In in that sense, he's like I imagine Roy Keane would have been. I can imagine him getting stuck into his teammates at halftime. You, you see videos of him on the training pitch getting stuck into his teammates there. So I imagine yeah. this happening in the in the dressing room as well. And I think he is mentally incredibly strong. I mean, he misses that penalty. His first penalty is missed in whatever it is yeah. years, and then ends up scoring the you know the decisive goal to make it 2-1. He's just got something about him that I think you can build a team, you can build an entire squad, an entire team around him. And uh, it's just, for me, it's just a big shout. I think he probably is the best signing that they've made since maybe Van Persie in terms well, of effect. bold words. Uh, I'd, I'd certainly agree with the buy-in. I think if you look at clubs that want to create a legacy, the way that Liverpool brought in the right man with Klopp, someone that 
buys into it and then creates something around him, you need players like uh, yeah. Fernandez, and, that's, uh, and that goes without saying. All right, well, listen, that's that's enough for the first half. Uh, we have a rather big game to chat about in the second half, so uh, back soon. If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, something that's less Mr Bean and more Steve McQueen, Check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. Right, welcome back, guys. Uh, yeah, Gareth, uh, are you still licking your wounds? Because I just don't want to imagine that. But at the same time, I want to hear all about it. So uh, <laughs> I'm sorry we have to we have to pick at those scabs. But, oh, my God, what the hell? Spursy Spurs. <laughs> it, it, it did feel quite Spursy. You know, when Gareth Bale... Uh, you know, starts watching the game from the dugout but <laughs> up after 15 minutes. He's like, it is different. It's true what they're selling on. It is going to be different this time. And, yeah. you know, he, he turns up on the pitch and 15 minutes later, it's it's very much probably what he remembers from uh, from seven, eight years ago. It was, it, it's really strange to be critical of a manager that when you go free and up to say you didn't kill off the game. But, <laughs> you know, he, he happily just draws the team back and draws the team back and, uh, as soon as the first goal went in, you did get a sense that Spurs looked very vulnerable. Um, and, you know, given what happened against the uh, Manchester United, you know, a few weeks ago, where he did not let the team sit and he he really, you know, he let the dogs out, you know, he really pushed them onto United to, you know, because he wanted to embarrass United because it was a personal issue. Yeah. Um, if he did that a bit more, I think Spurs would have a few more points. You know, the Newcastle game, you can, you know, turned into a VAR debate uh, about handball, but ultimately, you know, Spurs should have been in the position where they were hanging on to a 1-0 lead in the 95th minute and letting Andy Carroll, you know, send their yep. defence into conniptions. It's, it does, yep. to me, you know, look at the manager. And also, he need, he must be aware that defensively, Spurs are no longer the team they were three, four years ago when, you know, Adavraud and yeah, Tom yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. not there. You know, they were the, probably the best partnership in, in the league. And, and absolutely, yeah. You know, Alvaro is was only playing uh, because of because of uh, you know injuries. He's not first choice anymore. Um, yeah. so I, I think there's. Yeah, sorry, Gareth, go on. Yeah, I think there's an issue. So there's a difference in the United game for Spurs compared to the West Ham game, and that is that in the United game. United were getting butchered and never made changes to to what they were doing. They just kept on playing the same way, and Spurs were able to do the same thing and just attack them and kill them. Whereas West Ham, they started off pressing with three and leaving two sort of midfielders stranded in the middle with a flat back five, which is a terrible thing to do against Tottenham. And after 20 minutes, when they realised, oh God, we're 3-0 down, they then changed. And from that point on, they were very much in the game. And if you, if you had not seen the scoreline, you'd think it may be 0-0 or 1-0 Tottenham. It wasn't a huge chasm in terms of quality. Yes, Tottenham had chances, but it, it, 
West Ham really played their way back into that game. So that's the difference between the United, the United game and the West Ham game. And you're right, once West Ham got that, that first goal, you could see the body language on Spurs players. And you, you thought, they might not get a draw, but they might get another goal out of this. Talking about the psychology of it, the, mark, the fact that the, the body language changed. And when teams smell that kind of, you know, when there's blood in the water and they're kind of, and they're going for it and you feel that even if like, the one thing West Ham have got is this, the, the people have been down on them for so long that they forget the qualities that they have uh, in some of the players that they brought in. Um, but I don't think anyone could have guessed Lanzini, particularly Gareth, when he comes on, uh, bail on Lanzini on, and the you know everyone's just like, oh, there, there you go. There's the gulf in quality. And yes, <laughs> and yeah, but before the Lanzini world, he obviously bail you know sort of slips through a couple of players, and you know should have made it four too. So yes. you know, th- there's your sliding doors moment, and and obviously <laughs> you know Lanzini. Yeah, it's a worldie. It's an absolutely ridiculous shot, which, you know, 99 times out of 100, he wasn't going to put in the top corner. But, you know, that, you know, Spurs should not have put themselves in that in that position. But they have a couple of times. Obviously, the first game for Mourinho was a 3-2 uh, victory against West Ham, where they went 3-0 up and conceded too late. There was uh, one after with Burnley, which I think uh, followed similar lines. So, you know, I'm sure that Moyes is there saying... You know, you go and get one. They're gonna, they're gonna start yeah. sweating. Um, and until Spurs they can close out games, then managers are gonna, uh, are gonna understandably keep, yeah, keep reminding yeah, yeah. their team that that's the case. And you know, and and Spurs are also going to feel vulnerable and until the very end. You know, it's, you know, they need to work that out because this is a season where you feel that they could potentially really push the top, you know, three, three or four teams. Would you remember when Bale started for Spurs first time round and they didn't win for the first 24 Premier League games? Yeah. Imagine if that happens again. I know. <laughs> it's like they've reset the clock count to straight away and it's like, well, that's one. Yeah. And that was the <laughs> I mean, it'd be even so nostalgic if to match. And we can send, consider sending him out to, you know, Nottingham Forest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, it was, yeah, it was something special to watch. I mean, David Moyes, the king of working from home. I've got nothing but respect <laughs> for the man. He is. Uh, um, I mean, I loved his, his post-matches sometimes. I feel like he's sometimes detached from what's happened on the pitch. It's like, I was just proud, just really proud. of like It's like the team were just going to do it anyway, you know, and he's just happens to come along for the ride. I'd, love, I'd like to think he did have more impact than that. But uh, listen, mm. I, lo- I do love watching West Ham. Um, I'm a little bit biased now, but there you go. Um, I'd like to touch on the fact that the top four, let me just have a quick look at the table. Um, so I'm reading out the top four, Everton, Aston Villa, Liverpool, Leicester. I mean, you can even go like Arsenal, Wolves. I mean, it's, Mark, is this, are we in for a special season? Because there's a lot, of, there's a lot to unpack. I don't understand what's happening. Uh, a lot of people are saying things like, um, oh, it's because there's no crowds in. But then look around other European leagues where there's limited or no crowds. And the same thing isn't happening there. So I don't know if that can account for it. I remember there, there was a weekend, of, of uh, a few weekends in a row, years and years ago, I'm talking like 15 years ago, where there was like a string of three alls, four threes, four alls, or five four. There seemed to be something in the water. And I don't know if that is happening again now and it will settle down again. But it seems to happen in, the, in these sort of bursts where you have all of a sudden high-scoring, ridiculous games and everyone forgets how to defend. It seems to be like, you know, like a, 
I mean, it's like something contagious, which is apt for what's going on at the minute. But I think we're going to settle down again at some point. I can't imagine the league table will look anything like it does right now, come May. But then again, <laughs> I couldn't have called anything so far this season. So why would I? Why would anyone listen to me or think or think the same way? It's just, it's, just, it's a ridiculous season. Well, I'm loving good, it. I've got to say, well, I am loving it. It's a good job that people don't tune in to listen to your football opinions, Mark, because otherwise yes. that would be tragic. Uh, but I do think around. having the international break, you know, so soon after. I know, I know this happens yeah. every year, but it seems particularly pronounced this year. And then, like I said, we've got one in three weeks. So potentially we've probably still got another five, six weeks of just sort of general chaos. And then probably around Christmas for the second half of the season, it will settle down to a series of crushing. <laughs> when does it, when does it ever settle down around Christmas? <laughs> well, settles, everyone's knackered at Christmas. It's, we'll, it's, we'll get Christmas to is the worst time for it. Get to well, it felt like last night, it felt like Monday night's games were, were sort of party poopers. West Brom, Burnley was nil nil Leeds and Wolves yeah. and one nil Wolves. And it just felt like, Oh right, the, 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 there's some adults in the room all of a sudden, and like, <laughs> this, this is how you play football. This is proper football. Um, so maybe that's that might be the turning point. But you know, on the other hand, it could be Friday. Villa Leeds just goes nuts again. Yeah, well, the, I think the the one hallmark of it always there's quality in all the teams. You know, I, I, people are even saying Fulham. I think Fulham did really good business in this window. They actually remember when they went down, and uh, was it Felix Maggot? I was um, Maggot was their manager. Anyway, they signed all the wrong players, or they spunked it all on like Schalke. What was his name? Who is the the German? It was actually yeah, Schurler. But there was all these players that came in, and it was just like I'm not entirely sure that that's what Fulham need. And I just think that they got you know paid like. Um, I love his cheek like players that have got uh, Lookman you know, as well yeah Lookman has got, these guys have got something to prove they've been kind of cast off from meaty, not, not mediocre clubs but like clubs where they sh- perhaps you know loftus cheek could have gone to Palace and maybe been a legend there and um, Lookman was the, he, he at Everton and didn't really get a run they, they, they've, they've got they've got players who've got chips on their shoulder exactly. and that is exactly yeah. what you want that's that's what you want you want people with you want players with something to prove whether it be to their parent club to say look you made a huge mistake letting me go yes or it's to people who've just been doubting them their entire time they've been at that club. So, I mean, Loftus-Cheek is is a top-class footballer. We, we've seen him play for England and play well. Lookman was hugely rated when he was at Everton and yes. before that at Charlton. And it didn't work out for him in Germany. But, hey, these things don't always work out. But he, so far, in glimpses, has looked absolutely fantastic. And I don't think Fulham can stay up. But I think they have made the right the right signings, and it's given them a chance. But like yes. I said, you know, I don't know anything. Fulham now probably finished top six. <laughs> Gareth, Gareth, have you uh, have you caught? Because I genuinely haven't watched Fulham almost in kind of a like I've caught the goals when they played Leeds because it's like oh it's four three. I bet that's worth watching. But Fulham just haven't really inspired me to kind of go. I'm going to watch them because I kind of there's an air of inevitability about it. But am I doing them a, a disservice? Um, in all honesty, not really. I mean, they did bring in you know, a fistful of players right on the window, so the, the team could be markedly different. Uh, you do get a sense when you watch them that you know they're a six out of ten team, but they need everyone needs to play you know to their highest level. Otherwise, it's almost inevitable when they concede a goal, and it, you're just like, okay, you, you're done. As soon as Sheffield United equalised late on, uh, you know, the other day. It, it it fell over. You, it never looks like Fulham are gonna yeah. gonna ra- rally or really dig deep and bring something out. And you know they are probably the most limited, or you know until let's see how these players do. You know they, they they've attempted to bring in a whole new centre back pairing as well. So we'll see how that yeah. goes. But 
Yeah, until until these moves, they just look very limited. Fair what enough. I noticed was that in, in Fulham's game so far, whenever they've been playing, Derby County have been trending on Twitter because obviously people talk about the 11-point season. Can Fulham smash that record? And actually against Sheffield United, that wasn't happening. So they must have been a lot better if no one's mentioning Derby County. <laughs> well, Mark, well, while we're on the subject, let's let's uh, make a last couple of points, uh, personal ones. Uh, Derby <laughs> County and the, and the Rooney fiasco. I mean, well, to be, honest, to be honest, well, Gritton, tell us what, what's the story for those that don't know. Well, the best, the best detail is the most Wayne Rooney esque thing ever. It's Phil Bardsley's brother came to deliver a watch. I mean, I can't go. Uh, that's 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 the most lower league football that that should be happening. That sort of stuff would happen down in the league two, and it'd be a fake one of whatever the watch yes. was, of course. Yeah. And you know. Um, I that's all I really paid attention to. And then obviously the fact that um, he came around, he's positive. He didn't disclose that to Rooney. Then that he knew, it. He, knew he was positive as well. He knew he was it's a classic Bardsley move. Um, you know, it's just we, he's gone around there. He's known he's he's known he's done something wrong. He's not held his hands up. He's got a, he's got a dodgy watch in his back pocket. And when Rooney can't distance himself from it, because unfortunately the government guidelines say that he has to isolate. And Philip Koku was, you know, cock a hoop. Well, Philip, Philip Koku has, has been there for, what, 18 months now. And I honestly think Derby County have put him through more than most <laughs> in their whole lives. It, it's been, it's just gone from sort of disaster to PR disaster. This one, I, I, you know, I, I don't blame Wayne Rooney for this one. It's, this isn't his fault. This could happen to anybody. Anyone going to visit somebody should be honest and upfront about it. If you know you, you're COVID positive, you don't go. It's as simple as that. Especially if it's someone as high profile as Wayne Rooney, who is absolutely needed to be fit and healthy and not on COVID protocol. It's the he's same. Three big games. You're going to miss Huddersfield. You're going to miss Nottingham Forest no. on Friday. Ooh, that's, yeah, that's tough. Have you lost me? Yeah, no, I've got you. Can you hear me? Uh, yeah, sorry. I'll go from that bit again. He's going to miss Huddersfield and he's going to miss Nottingham Forest. So they're huge games for him to, to be missing. Um, it, it's just... Every couple of days, we seem to release a statement at Derby County, and it's always got the bloody corner flag on the picture. <laughs> and we knew something bad's coming. And this time, it was about Rooney. And it's we don't have any strikers as it is, because we let Marriott go on loan to Chef Wednesday. Um, Colin Kazim Richards isn't quite fit enough to make the first team. Martin Waghorn's coming back from injury. So we've got no strikers now. Um, it doesn't That's... feel great at the minute. Uh, and that's the most championship striking lineup oh, ever. Waghorn, Kazim Richards. I mean, wasn't that the Blackburn forward two in 2014? I don't know. Um, yeah, I feel for you, mate. I do feel for you. It's but you know what? You know what? I think there's something bigger here going on. I think there's now we know that you can infiltrate a footballer's house by sort of pretending you've got a watch on you. <laughs> COVID protocol. You could see it happening a lot. You could see sort of uh, sleeper agents going into Mo Salah's house and, you know, trying to offer him something. And all of us, oh, sorry, Mo, I'm COVID protocol. I should have mentioned I mean, it. the easiest thing would obviously just be people dressed up as uh, delivery, uh, food delivery people. Oh, how good. Good. They are. Yeah, you just, just have them fully primed with, you know, disabling diseases and uh, you could it knock happen by first team. This will, yeah, this will happen, yeah. I promise you. And if you're an Instagram model, certainly, uh, or Snapchat, whatever the kids are into these days, uh, Vivo or uh, Boomtown or whatever they're, they're playing. What's that? What's the Vivo. thing that everyone does at the? What was the? What's the one that they're all on at the TikTok? If, uh, basically, I mean, you know, just one of them has to get into um, Mason Greenwood's. Uh, yeah, what do you call it? Inbox, and then you're laughing. So um, yeah, I, I mean, that sounds like the most dad 
comment ever. But it is true. These what situations have... What are, what are the kids using? What are the kids using? The TikTok infected via DMs. Shocker. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Gareth, uh, I was just going to let... Let's finish with you. What, what you've been up to and what's, what's going on at the minute. I mean, was there anything else you spotted in the footy over the weekend? Or, or have you been kept busy with music? Uh, super busy with music. Um, everyone's getting back to it. We have... Uh, so Griff Rees, who the singer of Super Fairy Animals, oh, yes. has just yes. announced his memoirs uh, yesterday, which I can tell you are absolutely incredible and well worth your time. That they'll be an out, out in time for Christmas. Oh, amazing! Lovely. I mean, is it an impenetrable uh, title like some of the uh, lesser-known Super Fairy Animals? Is it in Welsh? You must it, be. It, it, sure. it is called Resist Phony Encores, um, which speaks to. So he uses a lot of signs at shows, and he's a big fan of communicating with the audience in weird, abstract ways. So it's taken from that. But uh, no, a, a few bits of Welsh in the book, but largely English language for us uh, proles. Well we'll, well, we'll certainly get you to read out a few of the, the choice anecdotes over the Christmas period. I think that, that could be quite nice. Um, uh, Mark, what are you up to? Uh, you got any more shows this week? You got one on Thursday? Did you do Tuesday? Uh, yeah, there'll, there'll be one on uh, on Thursday, football365.com. I'm also, Martin, this is what the kids are doing these days. Uh, I've got a show starting on Twitch. I'm going to be doing a, a football oh. show on Twitch. I'll be having guests on, uh, and I'll be doing a phone-in show on uh, Friday nights from... Uh, Friday, this not this Friday, Friday after. What date is that? Uh, that is the 30th of October. So uh, if I'm on the podcast Mark again... Mark Smith 2.0. Absolutely, absolutely, mate. Absolutely. Well done, mate. mate that, sounds exciting. that sounds exciting. We'll, we'll certainly be chatting about that online somewhere, using one right. platform that or, or another. But yeah, no, definitely good luck with that. We, we, we look forward to listening to it. Um, thanks very much for joining me tonight, Mark. I know you've got a dash. Yeah, cheers, guys. Thanks a lot. No, top man. Uh, and Gareth, thank you very much, sir. I'll be back next week, I would imagine. Uh, as you said, international break is coming mm-hmm. soon. And it's the first one that I can look forward to in quite some time. But being a Scottish fan, you know, Serbia is certainly not, not a pushover and will probably be quite painful. But, um, but yeah, no, thanks for joining me, Gareth. And uh, that was the Whistleblowers. Cheers. Wasn't that a great podcast? Now, if you've got 90 seconds spare in your day, come and listen to ours. It's called What Has He Said Now? and is available wherever you got this podcast. You're going to lose a number of people to the flu. This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.